You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment, speaking to us from Johannesburg. Wayne, we're in the final stretch. It's December the 1st. Can you believe it? Another two weeks, everybody will go. They'll all go on December the 15th, I think, or even a couple of days earlier, because December the 16th, if I remember rightly, is a public holiday. So I think yes, it's, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think people are going to start to um, drift off around that time. What about you? Are you finding uh, less emails, less client calls? Is it slowing no, down a bit? No, not at the moment, actually. Oh, okay, that's not good. Not at the moment, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, I've actually had quite a, a busy couple of last week or two, but certainly from next week, it'll probably die down quite a bit, yes. And then we'll go to the the normal December sort of silly season slow down again until the, this time around because of the way the public holidays have been distributed, mm. probably till the second week of January. Ah, so it's a sort of a three to four week holiday for most people yes. that can afford to do so in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. And most people who weren't captured here by all the all the red lists and all stopping all of the um, flights to South Africa. Yeah, lots of people have been caught like that. Yes, yes, and that, that uh, story continues. And in fact, I was talking to Stephen Saad, the CEO of Aspen Pharmacare, this morning. He, uh, he's very measured. He, as he said, he's not a scientist, but, and he gave advice. I mean, apart from talking about the deal with Johnson & Johnson or a couple of its affiliates, yes. it's an interesting deal, and the market rewarded it Correct. what it's done today. But uh, this can't be anything but good for not only South Africa and uh, Southern Africa and the whole continent when it comes to uh, getting vaccines out and distributing them, but also good for Aspen Pharmacare, let's face it. Yes. I mean, look, all, I mean, and, and I might be a little bit behind on all of this, which is not unusual. Mm-hmm. As far as I understand, what has happened is that they have been granted the rights to call it, to give it, an Aspen Pharmacare name. Yes. But they're essentially doing what they are currently doing. Uh, Johnson & Johnson supply them with the so-called active pharmaceutical ingre- uh, ingredient, and they dispense it and put it in vials and jars and send it out into Africa. They're not making the, in the um, injection they're not actually making it. Johnson & Johnson still retains all of the rights to the, to the actual ingredients itself in, in the makeup, and Aspen themselves are simply uh, re-bottling it for, in, a, in an incredibly simplistic way, and I know it's far more complicated than, than that. So the, the vaccination is being supplied essentially in bulk to them by Johnson & Johnson, and they making it, they reprocessing it into an, a, a usable format, for want of a better word. Yes, I think the name of the uh, product is Aspenovax. Aspenovax, however yes. you want to pronounce it. But I mean, it, 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 is, it is incredibly good news that a global pharmaceutical company has chosen a South African company and has found them to be of sufficient competence and caliber to actually do this. It also suits Johnson & Johnson because they, all of them who manufacture the, 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 the vaccine are an, under intense pressure to almost relax their patent rules so that more people, specifically India, 
for example, can actually produce it domestically. So now with this deal with Aspen going into Africa, the Johnson and Johnson say, well, effectively we're doing that already. Why do you want to attack our patent on it? Because understand they're under huge pressure to essentially waiver their patent rights to get volume, you know, especially with the new variant now, because in the new variant, you know, in two months time or something, there'll be a whole lot of new vaccines that are specifically tweaked to meet the particular requirements of this new variant, exactly as they were tweaked to meet the Delta variant. I mean, these these vaccines evolve all the time as new variants come about. But yes, it is good news. And the market did reward Aspen for that uh, quite significantly. And I mean, I'm sure you will recall, you know, Aspen was in deep, deep trouble a couple of years ago because of too much debt on the balance sheet. And they had to sell some quite juicy assets to try and get that uh, get that debt down. But, you know, once they've got over that, they've actually gone, quite frankly, from strength to strength to strength. So at the, at the end of 2018, when the share price dropped from 300 rand to 50 rand, eh? Yeah, I saw that. I and was going to say, where at, did it go? I think it went into 240. Yeah, it went into the mid 50s, I think, at one stage. And and again, it was like an Anglo-American yes, story, like a Kumba Iron Ore story. It was priced for failure huge, at one point. Huge recovery. Mm. It was priced for failure. Now, this, out of interest, an industrial company like this that's priced for failure is very different to an Anglo-American or a Kumba because there, it's nothing that the company's done wrong. The commodity cycle turned against them, and they are notoriously volatile, whereas when an industrial company gets into trouble with more debt, the cycle can't save them. So essentially, Kumba, Anglo-American, all of them, they were saved by the cycle. Yeah. They weren't saved by what interventions they did themselves. But, you know, in commodities, prices go down until everyone goes virtually bankrupt, and then the prices go up again until everyone is so flush with cash and they start producing, and then you go into the down cycle again. So Aspen's recovery from 50-odd bucks, 60-odd bucks to the current 270, sorry, 240-odd, is quite frankly entirely of their own doing, and credit to them. They had to, they had to unfortunately sell off some absolute prime assets, and they're specifically the baby care uh, formula in China, I mean, you know, when you listen to Aspen in 2019 going into 2020, you know, that baby care formula was the future of Aspen. That was their biggest growth asset. They sold it, but, you know, they've done extremely well now and, you know, full credit to management for that. So do you think if they didn't have to pay down debt, in other words, if the uh, people that were providing them finance said, wait a second, uh, we've got to yeah. do something about this, you, do you think if their balance sheet had been a little bit more robust, they wouldn't have sold the business that you just described? Yes. Correct. But you must remember when you're when, you know, in, in investments, when the going's good, it's properly good. So when the going's good and you've got a high share price, you make these enormous amount of acquisitions because that's essentially why they built up debt is they bought a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, you make acquisitions and you issue shares like crazy, then something just goes wrong and your share price halves and halves again. You know, then you just lose that currency and no one wants to give you money anymore. Because, you know, what they what they would do normally is, you know, banks will fall over themselves to lend a successful company money when the share price is high and they're doing deal after deal. When the when the tide turn when the tide turns there, you know the bankers come knocking at your door saying, you know, 
What security are you going to give me? They're not going to roll the loans over. So, and of course, it is quite clearly not the same set of circumstances, but it's a very same set. It's an incredibly same set of uh, of characteristics to EOH. You know, when the going was good there, it was absolutely fantastic until it, until it wasn't going until it wasn't going good anymore. Yeah. Well, it's always the same, isn't it? You know, a bank will uh, give you an umbrella on a, on, on a clear day, but when it starts raining, yeah. they say, can I have the umbrella back, please? We need it now, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, there's been a couple of um, trading statements from banks, and I know you love banks, and you've been a, a stalwart. Yes. You've been a staunch supporter of South African banks. We had Standard Bank first, and then we had the very next day, I think, uh, First Rand, and you, of course, are part yes. of First Rand. So maybe start with First Rand. What did you make of them? The well, numbers. you know, they said they said they said things are looking good. Quite frankly, uh, you know, earnings are going to be up at least thirty percent. Remember, by law, they're only supposed to tell you when earnings are going to be at least twenty percent higher. So the mere fact that they stated more than thirty percent obviously means it's going to be a very robust set of earnings. And you know, they've got some credit growth going through it. Bad debts continue to come down, but I mean, the share is up quite a bit today. It's one of the top performers today. By and large, even though it was a very good trading statement, the market was anticipating that. You know, it didn't come as a surprise to the market. So, you know, when you look when you look at uh, at first round and what the earnings profile could be, just hang on one second, I'm just opening up a spreadsheet here, just hang on. Okay, while you do that, uh, uh, RMB Holdings at quarter past two South African time came out yes, with its, story, its yeah. trading statement, but that's all part of the same group, so yes, of course, and the share price yes, is 4.1%. same thing. Exactly. So, when you look at first rand now, and I'm just talking earnings, mm. you know, in 2019, the earnings were five rand a share, now this is a junior end, in 2020, they were three rand a share. In this year, they were four rand eighty a share, and the estimate for next year is about five rand fifty. So then you are back to well above pre-COVID levels. Well, in fact, you are already back at essentially back at pre-COVID levels. So you know that's quite a quite a nice increase in earnings. You're getting double-digit earnings growth, and you know the banks haven't had double-digit earnings growth for a while. Of course, NetBank is going to be significantly better as a percentage change because they had they had a far worse time during lockdown. I mean, Nedbank earnings went from 25 Rand to 7 Rand in lockdown, back to 21 Rand and maybe 26 Rand. So they're going to show a higher percentage increase simply because they're working off a lower base. So first Rand wasn't as badly affected during the lockdown. And I know there are different year ends and I know there's timing issues and all of these things. But yeah, I mean, the, I suppose the bottom line with the banks at the end of the day, when you look at when you look at the banks and you say, "Are oh, they cheap? Are oh, they expensive?" You know, there are some very positive things going for the banks. They, you know, they're fully capitalised. They're well established. You know, to date, they've seen off the competition. You know, who knows what will happen with that in the future? But to date, they've seen off the competition. But there are some negatives as well. As well. You know, this is an overtraded sector. There's plenty of competition and plenty and plenty of players in this market. But the other big positive for the banks is that they essentially on single-digit price earnings ratios. 
You know, so that's why I like them is that the valuations are actually quite low. Mm. You know, if uh, for first rand, for example, if first rand was at a 15 price earnings ratio, I wouldn't like them. Because then, you know, then the good news will be discounted in the price. But I'm not saying you're talking your book, but you like First Rand. First Rand, a fine, a fine, a giant financial institution, run very well, yes. always, always has been. And I've always, I look at the banks, and, and when you talk to Shapiro, and I talk to Shapiro, we talk ourselves into these things. I always say to him, it's like getting blood out of a stone because there's no, uh, there's no growth, there's massive unemployment, and there doesn't seem to be any areas where they can extract more blood from the stone. But they still keep on doing it. These banks, they're adept at this in South Africa. If this was an American bank or a European bank just play, applying its trade in countries that had some growth and very low unemployment, yeah. then they would be spectacular successes, even though they are successes in their own right now, don't you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Look, I mean, the South African, to be honest, and I've had quite extensive experience, obviously through my work, but, but through other avenues and channels as well. We have, and I'm I might be wrong here, but I don't think so. I think we've got the most sophisticated banking system in the world. I think so too. I honestly do. Because in America, I was watching a program on TV the other day, and this was a current program. It wasn't an outdated one. They sent a check. <laughs> they, they paid a, a bill with a check. When was the last time you signed a check, Wayne? You know, one of those things, those checkbooks you had, and then there was the stubs, and you'd, I'd occasionally must write be 12 down. 12 years ago. Yeah, must no. be 12, Longer must than be 12 that. or 15 years ago. Longer than 12 years, certainly. 15 years, maybe. But if you went into a, somewhere yeah. now and you had your, your check you, card you and, and a check and you it. said, um, there we are, a, a 500 rand, and there's the guarantee because it's backed by this card, uh, people would look at you and say, what is this? What on earth is going on here? So Maybe. the first restrictions were you weren't allowed to settle for more than five, a debt. You couldn't pay more than 500,000 rand on a check. And then eventually it was just totally phased out. And I mean, you know, in, in America, when you, when, when you see what you can transact at an ATM or what you can transact at the grocery counter, I mean, it's astonishing. And now today, uh, is it PSG and Time Bank? You know, they're starting to, to to distribute credit via Time Bank. Now, I always I always thought that was going to happen. I, I genuinely did because banks don't make money on transactions. You make money on lending money out. Yes. So they're calling it they're calling it something different. They 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 I think they're calling it a like a layby type of thing. But not like a traditional lay-by where if you want to buy something, you pay your money and you only get it at the end when you've paid everything. You know, they just reserve it for you. Whereas now, you also can pay it in limited number of installments, but you get the thing straight away. So to me, that's extending credit. That's not a lay-by system. But they're also doing it. So the, so the banking the banking. Uh, scenario or the, or the banking system in South Africa is incredibly, incredibly sophisticated. 
Yes, and I think they've had to hone their skills because of the extraordinary circumstances that South Africa presents any business, never mind banks. Yes. And when, when times do get better, which I hope they will, then um, they will reap the benefits because they've become lean and more efficient and more innovative, more technologically proficient. And so it goes on. Tell me about Standard Bank, though. I mean, obviously, you're loyal to uh, First Rand because you're part of that group. But what about Standard Bank? Their numbers were received very well earlier this week. Yeah, well, I think Standard Bank's cheaper than First National Bank. I actually prefer Standard Bank and possibly Nedbank over and above First National Bank because they had a far tougher time during lockdown than, than, than First Rand, and they've got probably more recovery potential. And certainly when you look at the ratings, I mean, First Rand now is on a forward price earnings ratio of, uh, of, of 10, and, uh, you know, Standard Bank – I'm just getting it now. Mm. You know, they're in a forward price earnings ratio of under nine. So I think there's more value to be had or possibly, you know, more share upside potential in uh, in Standard Bank and NetBank in comparison to to First National Bank. I mean, NetBank's got a forward price earnings ratio just under nine as well. Now, now I mean, so I might not have a job next week, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that, you, that you, you, you'll be hauled in tomorrow morning to the uh, to the boardroom with a, a cup of tea, and they'll say, "Now look here, uh, Macari, and we heard what you said about Standard Bank versus us, and yeah. what, what's it all about?" I very much yeah, doubt well, it. Well, that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's the life of being in investments. You you do your best to give your view, and I mean, you can chat to Shapira because he's actually a lot more outspoken. Than, than what I am. I'm more reserved than what Shapiro is. But, you know, many listed companies have phoned Shapiro and said to him, you know, how did you say this? Why did you say that about my company? And he's got into big trouble. And there was one company in specific, specifically that he got into huge trouble about. I won't mention it, but it's not no, around of course anymore. Not. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not even listed anymore. And eventually he got, he was so pestered by these people that if ever he was asked to comment on this company in the public domain, yeah. he just used to say, you know, I really don't know much about this company anymore, so I'd rather just keep quiet. Yes. So therefore, once Shapiro actually was diplomatic. Whatever happened to the freedom of which speech? Is not, which, is not, which, is, which is not, which is not normal, not normal for Shapiro to be diplomatic. Now, I think he was just, he was literally badgered to death there. He was tortured. He had to go and he had to go into the company and endure two-hour presentations on the company with management telling them how great it was so that you wouldn't give negative comments about about the company anymore. And I think the I think that just wore Shapira out, so he just threw his hands in the air. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. But weren't we going to chat about value and growth this week? Yes, I know, and I've forgotten about it. And uh, what we have to do, okay, this time, next week I'm not going to talk about uh, First Rand or, or Standard Bank. I'm sorry, did you prepare for that? Lindsay, Lindsay. Yes, Lindsay. Wayne. Yes, Wayne. I'm always prepared. Yes, I know you're always prepared. For, but... for anything, yes. even if the preparation is just... You know, know a little bit and wing the rest. But I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always prepared. You're just like Shapiro. You can give you know, him, that's what, you can that's, give him that's any what subject, can give you any subject, and you would be yeah. able to talk the hind leg. You can waffle off a about it. Yeah. Well, not waffle so much because yeah, no, you've got no, look, decades look, of experience. Look, hmm. Yes, but look, Shapiro can properly talk the hind legs off a donkey, and he loves so it. So I'm always happy. There's, I'm always happy to go on a road trip on a presentation road show <clears> with either Shapiro. Uh, 
and another and another person that I won't mention his name because I'm not on such friendly. Well, I'm on very friendly terms with Shapiro. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the, the other person you also that I will mention alongside Shapiro. Uh, we, 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 you, there's no way you can classify us as friends. I mean, we only know each other. Is, is he a fund manager but or I, a broadcaster? No, he's, a, he's an economist. Oh, okay. No, he's an economist. No, no, no so I wasn't mentioning you. I wasn't going to upset you at all because I would Doesn't just tell me. you that you waffle too much. All I right. would just tell you straight out that you waffle too much. But let's put all of that aside. <laughs> I'm always happy to go on a road trip with Shapiro and, the, and this other gentleman, this other, this other economist, mm. because then you never have to talk. You can just leave it to them and they will talk the hind legs off a donkey. And then you can just sit back there and have the snacks and have a beer later. Well, this is why I, I speak to people like you and, and David, not because you are wafflers, not because you are you have a, a word that I invented called gabaledictum, in other words, talking a lot. But I, I talk to people like you because you have so much knowledge and I can just, you know, I might be sitting here, I might be distracting, I might be watching something on, on television. I say, so what do you think about this, Wayne? And I could, I could put the phone down, go downstairs, get something from the fridge, go to the get bathroom and come back. Yeah, put my earphones on and you're still, and still talking. still be waffling. You'll still be going on. Yeah, I'll still is, be waffling. Exactly. You can't have uh, inarticulate yeah, yeah. people on, this, on the show. Well, look, That's well, what look, I always I, find. I, I told you, I'm sure I told you the story about my son. No, you, you didn't. Know, when he started working for Discovery, yeah. this is a good couple of years ago now. I suppose it must be, oh, I don't know, seven years ago, something like that. And Discovery, he's was in their group benefits and he was essentially selling risk products to companies and he had to start doing his first roadshows and presentations. So he came and asked me for advice. Mm -hmm. You know, what should I do here? What should I do there? And my first words to him were, you know, Andrew, don't worry. It's You're only nervous and it's only difficult the first 500 times. After that, it's really easy. <laughs> well done. Well done, Dad. Um, Wayne, yeah. um, in, other words, in other words, I've done this before. Yes, we've all done it before, but you've done it more times than most, and you do it better than most. Let me let me tell you, you and Shapiro uh, stand alone. Um, I haven't got a food story this week, but I want to tell you a property story, and I want to. It, it's intensely. Mm. It's not intensely personal, but it's it's to do with where I live. I live in the south of the Netherlands in a town called Middleburg. Not the Middleburg that makes coal or used to make coal in South Africa. The Middleburg that's in the middle of um, the countryside the and, and, a, and a rural area. And it's got uh, marinas and everything. It's, it's a big yachting center and it's an ancient place. And there's, there's a property trend going on. First of all, in the Netherlands, house prices rose 18% in October. 18%. Okay. Inflation is running at five oh, that's massive. It is massive in one month, year on year, 18%. That's huge. Inflation is above the Eurozone average at 5.6%. Now, a house came available around the corner from me, which I went to have a look at just because I was curious. And you have to make an appointment to go and see these things. It was a three-story house with a beautiful cellar and um, a garden. It was built in 1625, so it's a listed building. You can't do anything with it. With it, it, it it's yeah. historic. You can't knock it about. Otherwise, you get put in prison. And the list price was 499,000 euros. Now, what the chap said to me, he said, if you want to put in a, an offer, um, then you have to have it in by noon on Monday, the Monday that's just passed. And I said, okay, thank you very much. Yeah. I'll 
certainly consider it. I just, I would just nosy. I wanted to see what the houses look like. Yeah. It was built in 1625. I love these, these sort of places. Anyway, I yeah. heard from, I phoned up the estate agent just out of, out of uh, morbid curiosity. And I said, uh, did you, did you get your price of 499? He said, oh yeah, it sold for 600. Sure. 600,000 euros and the list price was 499. So many people are moving sure. from the big cities like Rotterdam and Amsterdam and Den Haag and um, other and expensive places like and they're coming down to the sticks because the houses are bigger and they can work from home and they've got enough room for, for kids. I mean, the cellar would be a great den uh, for children. And that is a trend that's going on. So much is going on over here, Wayne. It's extraordinary. Yes. The, the Netherlands is suddenly yeah. the, the, the centre of Europe, tiny as it is. Yeah, but in the Nederland, I'm not too sure how a place in the in the Netherlands can be called Middleburg because there aren't any bergs. No, no, they've all been flattened to throw into the sea over the years. There is a slight incline when I go to the bottle store, uh, but that's not a berg. Is it what about one meter? Uh, probably about three quarters of a meter, actually. But I still have to okay, put my, yeah, ele the... my electric bike onto onto full blast just to get up there. Yeah, because I'm not used to it. Uh, mm. Okay, okay, yeah, because in if you want to train for the alpine stages of the Tour de France, which I don't, the Netherlands probably not the best place. No, I think you should maybe broaden your horizons and your mountain ranges in that regard. Tell me about your yes. uh, food story, Wayne, as we get towards uh, food yes, eating season. I had now just before this new variant scared everyone to death. Oh yeah, and 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 and, and, and I mean let let's not let's not be flippant about this. Actually. A good. Uh, let me let me, okay, let me let me explain the whole story. Yes. Every year, some ex-momentum colleagues and I go out to a year-end lunch. Right. And it is a major occurrence. It is the social and cultural highlight of the year. <laughs> and we have a fantastic time. Good. And we were going tomorrow. Yeah. We were off tomorrow. Mm. -hmm. And we've had to cancel because one of the chaps has actually got the COVID and yeah. three of the other guys have been in contact with someone who's had the COVID in the last, literally the last couple of days. So we've had to cancel, postpone the lunch. So there's, I mean, maybe it's just coincidence that it's, that it's happened to a lot of people that I know. But, you know, the, the actual infection rates aren't going to get to 10,000. They're going to get to 20,000 today. So in other words, the same as the second and third wave. Okay, but now putting that aside, mm -hmm. before this all happened and people started to get worried, I went out with a couple of my friends, not a huge crowd. There were, I think, 12 of us. And we went to my favorite restaurant in the whole world, mm -hmm. which is called the Old Rose, which is an old-fashioned English-style pub. And I go there 51 Sundays a year for the Sunday roast, and it's fantastic. Yes, we've heard about this one. But yes. now, mm. yes, many, many times. Mm. I, 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 I have not not the first time I've mentioned it. I don't tire but of it, so, so what, don't don't um, yeah, no, no, don't what, feel guilty. Yeah. What we what we did was we obviously prearranged it a little party that the the staff there cooked us a Christmas dinner. Okay, a Christmas lunch. Mm -hmm. So we had gammon, we had stuffing, we had turkey, we had roast potatoes, we had the jelly that goes with the turkey and the ham, and we had the um, cauliflower and cheese sauce and the carrots and the crackling and everything with lovely gravy, and it was 
two delicious forwards. And you shared it, and because normally it's you they, and your partner yeah. go going there on a Sunday. Yeah. And you, but normally, but normally you don't get the Christmas roast; you just get the the roast beef. We, mm. And there's nothing wrong with the roast beef. But the reason why we did it is that they arranged the the, the restaurant now arranged in the middle for their Christmas in July. But of course, that's when we had the third wave. So it was unfortunately cancelled. So we had our own little informal Christmas in July, but it was Christmas in November. And we had the the, the crackers to pull and the little Christmas hats to put on and uh, little, you know, those little glitter things you scatter on the table. And then everyone had to bring a present for less than 50 rand to hand out, and we had the grandest old time. What did you buy for your fifty rand? I don't do those sorts of things. That's uh, that's that's the that's the that's the the big boss's department. Oh, your partner. Okay. In other words, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, you, that's that's that. I I I I I rightly or wrongly don't get involved with things like that. No, no. You've got to you've got to know your strengths, Wayne, and I know your strengths, and you. Yes, and, uh, I, and also and, know and your weaknesses. And that's not one of them. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. Wayne, but next week, please send me a message before our our, um, our, our, our normal Wednesday thing and say Lindsay value yeah. versus growth because I, yeah. I, I was it was remiss of me <laughs> not to speak about this because it's an important uh, an important point and we'll end off yes. here and I will but, have uh, a food I'll, story. I'll give for you, you. I'll give you. I'll give you a little preamble to it. Okay. Growth growth managers have six very happy years and one catastrophic year, and value managers have six catastrophic years and one spectacular year. Mm, that's a good backdrop and, and, that's, a, and a nice and that's teaser. that's growth versus value. Okay, that's a yeah. nice teaser for next week. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.